0: I'm Christian Blood, KTSA News, and now it's time for Mm. the Jack Riccardi Show. We made it to Friday. Yes, Um, we did. Seems like this story about
1: the NFL considering international teams Mm -hmm. is the answer to a question no one was asking. (laughs) Like I don't know any football fan that's really like jazzed about the London Games and the Munich Games, and but but I mean, you want to do a few of those? It's a novelty puts a football game on the schedule for Sunday morning, which maybe if you have nothing else to do. But, I mean, now they're saying they're going to consider adding expansion teams permanently in either Mexico
0: and, and or Europe. Can I tell a quick story here? Yeah. So I was, in, I was in the U.K. about five, six years ago on business. And this was completely unrelated field. I was not in the radio, business. it was, it was, it was Aquaria. And I'm in a British pub for the first time with a couple of colleagues and about three or four of their friends who I didn't know. So for a few minutes, I'm in what we would call a sports bar here in the U.S, but it's Great Britain, so you know they're all they're talking about is Chelsea and Man United, and mm. it's, it's all soccer so i decided to interject and say because back then there was there was these rumors that the jacksonville jaguars the Mm -hmm. city of jacksonville might not be able to support the nfl and they're called the Mm -hmm. jaguars like the british car Mm -hmm. and what if you Mm -hmm. move that team over there so i just chimed in i said what would you guys think of of the nfl moving a team to great britain to which one of them replied what's the nfl i said Mm -hmm. national football league (laughs) is oh yeah yeah move a team here I said, yeah, there's rumors that we may bring a team. And, and this is exactly what he says. Yep. He says, why the hell would they do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. So I don't think Jacksonville is anything to worry about. <laughs> anyway, all right. Now, also, uh, hey, think about this. We're going to talk later on about best prison movies. So uh, think about what your favorite prison movie is. Um, I'll give you time to work on that, Christian. Uh, welcome to our dreadful little show. Good afternoon, and um, join the show at 210 599 fifty five fifty five I was surprised there weren 't more angry people yesterday. I thought people would be more angry about the Trump thing, but I think the reason I think the reason people weren 't that angry is that you 've known this was coming. You knew that you know this wasn 't a surprise. I think people get angry when they get shocked there 's a spike in your emotions when something unexpected happens, but you 've been prepared for this for so long you 've been cynically resigned to it for so long, or maybe you 've been looking forward to it depending upon how you feel about Donald Trump. And so I just don't think it's it's just not surprising. This was like not a a stunner when the news came down. They 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 tried to report it. I love the way the news organizations all tried to report it as like it was Pearl Harbor or you know. But it it doesn't have the gravitas they're trying to give it. They're trying to say, "Well, this is the first time in history that a former president has been. but but let's face it. Let's face it, you guys completely took Trump out of that conversation. You've, you've already established that in your, in your telling of history, Donald Trump wasn't one of our presidents. He wasn't part of that elite. He doesn't belong in the history books. He doesn't belong, you know, in the, in the statuary hall. He, he shouldn't be at Epcot Center in the, in the uh, animatronic hall of presidents. There's no, there's no normal to Donald Trump or his presidency, so we're not impressed by your grave pronouncement that history is being made. And also, quite frankly, we're not that impressed with the institutions that at one time would have stopped us in our tracks. We've seen the weaponization of the FBI and the Department of Justice. We we know that you guys trumped up the impeachments, pardon the pun. So these things, are not they're losing their shock value. But one of the things that, that I, I heard asked a lot yesterday was, will there be big protests? And I have to say, I don't think there will be. Let me ask the question a different way. Are there supposed to be big protests? I don't know if you've heard this or not, but every NYPD officer was ordered to report to work in uniform as of 7 o'clock this morning. That's 36,000 people. It's like somebody's hoping for a riot. And I'm not hoping for one, and I'm sure you're not either. But that's what this moment feels like. This moment, this moment feels like a setup to me. Now, there's a very high probability that President Trump will never be convicted. You heard our legal experts break that down yesterday. So I would assume if our experts know that, The people in New York know that. So then why did they bring the indictment if they're not going to convict him? And there's a lot of theories, and I have mine and you have yours, and we can talk about that, 210-599-5555. But one theory would be that they want a J6 sequel, that they are trying to set the table for some kind of outpouring of anger, fury, what have you, so that they will be able to again go on television and denounce the threats to democracy and the dark side and uh, crack down on it. And yet I don't think it will happen. I don't think we're going to have a J6 sequel here. I mean, who knows, next week, but... One thing, if you think about January 6, 2021, Donald Trump was still president, and today he's not, and that does make a difference. And again, there's no surprise factor here. We're a lot more cynical about a lot more things than we were even just two years ago. And also, conservatives are different. Uh, they, they don't protest like the left does. The the, the the right has to be astroturfed into it, and there was astroturfing on j six. But the left is just louder and more people and they, they, they go crazy. But I do feel like we're being set up here. Like we're almost being dared or invited. Let's look at the recent history. Back when Barack Obama was president, we had conservative groups being targeted by the IRS. And then we had the revelations over the Obama presidency about what was done with the Patriot Act in terms of warrantless surveillance. And that was done by Bush. If you're a Republican, that was your guy. And your guys that passed it and voted for it in Congress. And um, what we did after 9-11 was we gave people in power way too much leeway out of a sense of fear or a need for security. I think we're doing it still. I think we're doing it right now with TikTok. I'm no fan of TikTok, but I don't like what I'm hearing and reading about giving the government the power to block access to anything on the Internet. It just I, I, I'd rather we dealt with that in some other way. If you, if you don't want your kids seeing TikTok, I understand that, but I'd rather we dealt with that in some other way. I don't trust the people in government to have that kind of power ever, any of them. And um, then Trump comes along, and Trump doesn't follow any of the rules. And he's not part of this two party, you know, elite or establishment or supper club or whatever the hell it is, right? He doesn't. he, He knows them. He golfs with them. He donates to them. They pose for pictures with him. But from the moment he comes down the escalator, it's clear that he's not going to do business with them. And that makes him dangerous. And I do believe Donald Trump is dangerous. I don't believe he's dangerous in the way that Hillary Clinton or Jim Comey think he is. But I do think he's dangerous. He's dangerous to people that have had it their way and have known that they would be just fine no matter which party won each election. They did not have to worry about their own rear ends. They, Their jobs, their position, their income was totally safe no matter what we the people did in an election. And then Somebody comes along where it's not safe. And frankly, I thought they I, I think that the establishment thought Donald Trump would be a lot more disruptive than he was. I'm actually I'm actually fairly disappointed. I don't think he was very disruptive. I, I think the swamp got him, not the other way around. But that's just me. So he gets in there and they get deranged. And we get the Russia gate thing. And we get the steel dossier. And remember, the steel dossier was manufactured by Hillary's campaign, but then it was carried around by the FBI. And we get the two impeachments and we get the phone call to Ukraine. And in the meantime, Hillary's off the hook for the emails and the classified documents and Benghazi. And Joe Biden's off the hook for Hunter and the Chinese money and the laptops, the laptop. And now we've had the Twitter files. And again, we see an unholy alliance between the Democrats, the FBI, and big tech. And so when this DA in New York comes up with this indictment of Donald Trump, it just isn't. It just isn't shocking. If you've been paying any attention, this is just another installment, you know? And if you look at the people that are celebrating this and are happy about this, is any of it surprising? So why should you in your life, knowing what you know, why should you suddenly drop everything and go to New York and get yourself arrested? I mean, I just don't don't see that. But we are being set up. They are grooming. They are, you know, laying the table almost as if they're hoping that there will be trouble. 210-599-5555. So now people have also asked, what does this mean to the race for the Republican nomination and the consent, the conventional wisdom as well? Now Trump's going to win the Republican nomination. And maybe he is. Do you think that the people that are going after him want him to win the Republican nomination? I think they do. I think in their mind, he's the most likely guy they can beat because they beat him before. And it forces all the other Republicans to say whether they believe it or not, that this indictment is an outrage. Uh, Ron Death Sentence came out with a very strong statement. He said the weaponization of the legal system turns the rule of law on its head. It's un-American. He referred to the Soros-backed DA. He said the Florida will not cooperate. He said his statement was very smart. It was very, you know, right on, struck the right note. But that's all they can say. I, I watched today... Republican after Republican, never Trumpers, Peter Mayer, the former congressman from Michigan, John Yoo, the Bush Department of Justice guy, all these Republicans that have never really liked Trump or have openly opposed him, now they all have to come out and say, because it's they know it's true, that this attempted indictment is a, is a political uh, maneuver. It's transparently political. It's desperate. And... So it may be that it positions Trump better for the Republican nomination. He wasn't doing bad to begin with. If you look at the polls, he's pretty far ahead. But is that what they want? And then what does it mean in a general election? And I don't think we know yet. I mean, there's only probably like 10 or 15 or 20 percent of the people who are still like up for grabs in a presidential election. I think the other, I think everybody else is kind of locked down by one party or the other or by one candidate or the other. And, and, and identity politics also takes a lot of people off the table that would otherwise be independent. Because if you, if you buy into identity politics, then you let other people tell you what your sexual orientation or your ethnicity dictates, what you should do, what you must do. You're not, you're not uh, a good member of your tribe. If you, deviate from what they tell you you should do so there's really not that many people actually up for grabs so what is what does it do to the general election if it puts trump in the driver's seat for the republican nomination does it help or hurt him in a general election i guess against joe biden it looks like that's what will happen but well, these are some of the questions I have, and I want to open up the phone lines two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. We're going to be joined uh, on the show this hour by one of the uh, candidates for mayor, who seems to be getting the most traction against Ron Nirenberg. You know what always happens when a when a mayor runs for reelection in San Antonio? He always gets eight, ten, twelve opponents, and several of them are perennial run every time candidates. And then there's always one or two. You know, sort of serious, not the usual suspects, uh, kind of people. And this, uh, this man, Chris Shukart, seems to be that guy this time. So what makes him different from, say, Greg Brockhaus? We'll talk to him about that here in a few minutes. And we'll also talk to Mike Davis from the Article 3 project about the Trump indictment. So they all, I think, unless I've missed one, I think all the other Republicans have pretty much fallen in a line, right? I mean, they've all had to come out and say, this is an outrage. This is un American. This is, uh, transparently political. Uh, DeSantis, Pence, Nikki Haley, they've all had to come out and say it. And, and so it, this sort of feels like it's consolidating the Republican nomination for Trump. I mean, he's going to, I don't exactly know what he's going to do, but he's going to have the opportunity to run away with this thing, uh, if he, if he doesn't step on himself. And there's always that possibility. I mean, didn't they say that, that his election in the first place was really due to a lot of free media? That he, he got so much coverage in 2015 and 2016 that he didn't have to pay for. It just, it's, it, it just absolutely squeezed out any other rival. And, um, I kind of think this is what's going to happen again. And I also kind of think the people doing this, this is what they want. I mean, they want to make sure that they can run against him. Uh, and not have any uh, wild uh, horses uh, thrown their way or wrenches in the in the machinery, uh, what do you think what does this do to his run for president? How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts twenty four hours after hearing the news two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five here's one I think you probably could have predicted. they're now saying that if you criticize Alvin Bragg. The district attorney, you are a racist. If you say that he is George Soros backed, according to Joy Reid on MSNBC, if you make the reference to him being backed by George Soros, then you are saying that uh, black people are controlled by Jewish millionaires. Yeah. So, but well, that Joy Reid never disappoints, does she? And they were celebrating on The View this morning like it was, uh, well, like it was the morning after Donald Trump had been indicted. Uh, do we have that? Uh, here's, here's a little of the jubilance, cut number nine.
0: How do we feel about this unprecedented moment in American history? <laughs> I called it. Did you?
2: We feel good.
0: <laughs>
2: Donald Trump How finally do vo- won a popular vote yesterday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I was thinking last night... Boy, because I was reading this article where Ivanka and Jared apparently want to start their new life in Miami. And I was thinking, you know, they now can give their children the distinction of having matching mugshots for their both of their grandfathers. I have such a little juicy nugget
3: that I found this morning. The judge, the judge that that, uh, presided over that case where the Trump family was found guilty is the same judge presiding over Donald Trump's 30 counts.
1: Oh. isn't that juicy right, so they're uh they're having a good time apparently they, they don't know that uh there's a trial after an indictment but that's okay somebody will tell them uh 210-599-5555 mayoral candidate uh, chris shukart coming up and uh, just sort of asking uh where you where your head's at right now on the trump indictment michael is on ktsa the jack ricardi show hi michael
4: Yeah, I'd say the Democrats are going to set the standard if it's okay for any city just to arrest a uh, former president. Then we should be like, hey, the city of Bandera can say, we want Mayorkas for human trafficking. Hand them over. Mm -hmm. We're going to arrest them. So any city in Texas, I mean, why not? That's the standard. Because it's just a city, city of Pelotas, city of New York, city of L.A. We just start arresting all these federal people.
1: Mm -hmm. So Banana Republic.
4: Well, that's that's the standard they're setting. So, I say we yeah. go to uh, City of Bandera, Bandera City and have them uh, drum up a grand jury, and we can uh, just uh, well, indict. I'm
1: just in curious people. why. I'm just I'm just curious why the city of Bandera, or are you just picking okay. that randomly?
4: Because it's a small city, and there's no difference between the city of Bandera and New York City, just a larger city. Okay. So okay, you know, I'm sure we can get ten people in Bandera to indict yeah, any yeah. Uh, Democrat. We want.
1: I think so you probably could. I, I think you could probably do it in a lot of places. So you think there's gonna be that Michael can't even hear me anymore, I guess. So all right. I tried to have a conversation with him. I, I guess a lot of people take from this, and I and I think that's a fair thing to say. I think a lot of people take from this that it's gonna happen again and again that if if you can do this once, you you will be tempted to do it again. Um and, and I mean I think that's true of a lot of things. I think I think Impeaching Clinton ensured that a Republican president would be impeached. I think, um, indicting Trump ensures that a, a Democrat will be impeached. I mean, I, it, it, that, that part is, is, is pretty predictable. Um, the thing I'm less sure about is the dynamics of this in the election, because a lot of people that are expressing themselves very openly are Trump supporters but what i don't know what i can't know at this moment is what are people who are kind of apolitical who are kind of agnostic about the candidates you know they don't really like or dislike anybody they're just you know they follow the news casually or maybe not very much when they sort of figure this out does this look legit to them or does this look uh you know like some kind of like some kind of trickery or travesty and obviously trump's hoping that a lot of people who are not with him now will be so offended by this that it will bring them over but i i think we have to wait and see that that's the part that i think is kind of interesting here talking about uh obviously many things including the uh the trump indictment which came down 24 hours ago uh and uh where you're at on that and of course the uh the election here in san antonio as i mentioned we have uh, mayoral candidate Chris Shukart joining the show now on the ktsa Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. And uh welcome to the show. It's good to have you.
5: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
1: Um, I've been reading about you. I read your website. Um, sounds great. Everything sounds, you know, terrific. I, I want to ask you a question, though, and I, I don't mean to be offensive, and, and I, I hope you won't be offended if I ask this, but we've seen... This platform, and we've seen a young conservative candidate uh, come up before. Uh, most recently, Greg Brockhaus. What gives you the, the the hope or the feeling that you can do better than others like you have done before? Not only against Ron Nirenberg, but just in general.
5: Well, I think the one thing that separates me from a lot of the other candidates and a lot of the current city council and the mayor is you know I've, I've spent the. <laughs> the last eight years in in the ditches in the real world. Uh I started my business when I was twenty six. Mm-hmm. Uh eight years later I've I've got over fifty people to work for me. I provide five million plus dollars a year in pay to employees and subcontractors and um you know I've I've dealt with the real world issues that I've had to deal with doing that. The, the the guys who work for me, um which, you know, come from every side of every side of town. Uh you know, I have a very good understanding of what I like to say the, the real people are having to deal with here in San Antonio. And mm-hmm. I think that gives me an edge and uh, as far as an insight to uh, how to go about trying to fix some of those problems instead of mm-hmm. continuing to create solutions and then going and looking for a problem. And uh, I think it gives me an end when I go and I talk to people around town that Ron doesn't have. Uh, I, lo- I live in the same world that they do, and I don't feel like mm-hmm. he does.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean I- – Obviously, when you look at something like, uh, Prop A, you, you realize what, what a gulf there is between that real world you're describing and this sort of, um, hypothetical or, uh, dystopian world, uh, of the far left where, um, you can just wish crime away and uh, decriminalize things. Um, what about the argument? And I've had people tell me this over the years, Mr. Shukart, and I'm sure you know people like this. What about the argument that the kind of voter you're appealing to, who would say, yeah, I like this guy, I like that he's lived in the real world, that he's a businessman, that voter moved out of San Antonio, moved into the county, moved to another part of Texas. They got out of the – and you see it in Houston and you see it in Dallas. There's there's fewer and fewer uh, non-liberal voters left in these big cities. So wh- how do you run with that reality
5: Well, I I agree with you. And that's, that's something we've taken into consideration. And, you know, as I've gone around and talked to people and (laughs) they kind of ask me, well, why are you running or why haven't you moved out to the County? And, Mm -hmm. uh, something that kind of seems to go well with everybody that I talk to is, you know, we have a lot of stuff that might separate us that we can go fight about at the state and federal level. But as far as our home, I'm not going to be pushed out of my home by bad policies. And I think I've come across people, whether they're on the left or the right, I, you know, worrying about the safety and security of our streets mm-hmm. and our neighborhoods and making sure our infrastructure is maintained and upgraded and making sure we have a economic climate where we can experience some real growth has, has seemed to be a good message with people that I've talked to that, you know, they identify as a moderate Democrat or, um, or a, a far right Republican. You know, I, there seems to be a mixed bag where I think everybody's having to, mm-hmm. to suffer the, the same consequences, uh, right now in our city, no matter what side of the aisle they're on. Uh, there, the there does national. seem
1: to be a breaking point, right, where even, even you know people that vote in a, in a leftist kind of way get sick and tired of their city not working, right? We saw the defeat of Lori Lightfoot in Chicago, the recall of some of these DAs like the one in San Francisco. So here and there, it looks like e- even far-left cities are saying, hey, we want the city to work. We want it to be livable.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, there's been a, a, like I mentioned earlier, right now our city government seems to always be creating solutions for problems that they haven't yet identified. And the, the problems that all of us are facing every day just go largely ignored. I mean, you know, just look at the examples of the last few weeks, that unfortunate situation on the west side with that gentleman and that uh, the dog and, you know, basically the, the incompetence of our, our current ACS. Uh, yeah, I mean, the list goes on of, of how the core city services that we pay taxes to be provided to us just aren't there right now.
1: Well, one of the things I've noticed in doing this job is that it is it has been very easy for not only Mayor Nirenberg, but a lot of other so-called city leaders to either hide or to distance themselves from the dissatisfaction of the voters. So, like, if you encounter more homeless people if you have uh, theft or shoplifting hitting your business, if you feel less safe in your neighborhood, somehow we don't transfer those feelings and that dissatisfaction to our elected officials. It's like we think that's coming from some other place, and they don't really have anything to do with it. And when you look at something like Prop A, as I'm sure you've noticed, they all kind of like, like, no no one claims ownership of it, right? It's just there, and we're going to let the voters decide. That's not leadership.
5: Well, no, I went to a uh, crime and safety town hall a few weeks ago that uh, Chief McManus was at, and uh, Joe Gonzalez, and uh, uh, District 8 Councilman Manny Palaez and uh, <laughs> when Prop A was brought up, uh, you know, they act like they had all just, you know, only heard about this in passing, That that, that it was just, you know, something that was kind of on the peripheral and you know not not worth even bringing up or talking about Mm -hmm. at the event just the same as you know you just mentioned they (laughs) they went through the statistics and admitted that well crime's up violence is up and uh it's not our fault which is the exact same story we heard a year ago it's the exact same Forum.
1: So what do you do about that? I mean, how do you how do you create or 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 reinforce a connection and say to people, look, um, if you keep voting the same way, you're just going to get more of the same thing.
5: Well, that when I mentioned earlier, that's how, what I tell a lot of people is what we might not a lot of what we don't agree on are state and federal issues from both sides of the aisle, and I believe the current city council and the current mayor they distract by constantly those are the issues they keep at the forefront because that's what keeps the distraction up. Uh, So therefore they never have to discuss the real issues. And that's where I keep trying to push people is Mm -hmm. let's just get back to the, the, what I feel are the few things the city council, and the mayor have a mandate over, which I I listed, you know, safety infrastructure and our local economy. Um, You know, as far as, you know, we've tried to use social media. I mean, I'm at every event and talking to every person that, well, give me the time, Um, you know, I'm just trying to tell them that, you know, the most important election you can vote in is is the one in your own backyard because that's where most of the policies that affect your everyday life come out of.
1: I mean, I think you could do everything right and you could say everything right, but it may just come down to people, it it will have to be the moment where people have had enough and and you have no control over that.
5: I agree. Absolutely. And, Uh, you know, it seems in a lot of these neighborhoods that, uh, like I said, I've been, I've been very surprised at the reception I've received in uh, some of the neighborhoods here in town um, and by some of the people that I've spoken with. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's a sad situation. There are a lot of people, especially in a lot of the older neighborhoods, that they're at that point where they just can't tolerate anymore.
1: Yeah, Chris Shukart running for mayor. Uh, Shukart for mayor is the uh, website. I hope you'll come back again and uh, appreciate your coming on today. Thank you for being with us.
5: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me.
1: We're joined now in the KTSA Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line by a great guest. Mike Davis is the president and the founder of, uh, the Article 3 Project. Article 3 being the judicial chapter of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Mike Davis, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So, so many legal experts have, you know, more or less delineated over the last 24 hours the, the weakness, the inherent flaws of what we think is in the indictment of President Trump. Um, what do you think the the purpose of bringing an indictment would be if you knew you were bringing one that was, you know, really a legal Hail Mary pass?
6: Well, because this is not about the law. This is about political lawfare against President Trump. I think Democrats are very worried that they can't beat President Trump in the polls, and so they simply want to indict him. And We're seeing this on three different fronts. We're seeing this with uh, Soros funded Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg bringing in these bogus trumped-up charges against Trump, uh, felony charges for the non-crime of settling a nuisance claim back in 2016. Alvin Bragg is taking apparently misdemeanor Violations at best for bookkeeping and records, with a two-year statute of limitations that would have expired in 2018, and bootstrapping on federal election uh, violations uh, and and turning this in somehow into a felony in New York. Remember that Alvin Bragg pushed the prior Manhattan DA to reject these charges, to decline these charges. The Manhattan U.S. Attorney declined these charges. The Federal Election Commission decline mm-hmm. these charges and then all of a sudden uh, george soros runs for office takes a million dollars excuse me alvin Bragg runs for for office takes a million dollars from george soros and voila we have these political charges mm-hmm. against trump the, the second front is garland special counsel jack smith is looking at two fronts the non-crime of president trump having his presidential records in the office of former president and mar-a-lago which is allowed by the presidential records act and then the second part is that President, uh, the Jack Smith and also Fannie Willis, Fulton County DA, Fannie Willis, Democrat, down in Georgia, is they're both investigating as President Trump's objection to the presidential election, which is expressly permitted by the Electoral Counts of 1887, and it's also allowed by the First Amendment to our Constitution. These are bogus charges. They're mm-hmm. all th- all three of them are bogus investigations. Uh, Alvin Braggs is the most laughable of the three so it's it's really mind-boggling to me that the Democrats would start with this one when it's so bad because it's it's going to undermine the other two
1: Now I understand what you're saying about the flimsiness of the legal case but I hear a lot of people saying hey politically this helps Trump do, do they think they are setting him up to be beaten again? Is that what's going on here?
6: You know, I I imagine that if you're Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, or you're Jack Smith in D.A. or you're in D.C. Excuse me, or if, or if you're Fannie Willis down in Atlanta, you're in such a Democrat bubble, a leftist bubble that you don't understand the reality. And so maybe they're trying to get Trump. Maybe they're trying. They think he's the weak, weaker of him and DeSantis. They're trying to give Trump the nomination so they think they can beat him in the general election. All it's doing is solidifying Republican support uh, for Trump, bringing in a lot of independents, maybe even some right-thinking Democrats. They are doing what I thought was the impossible, which is making Donald Trump sympathetic. This is going to backfire on them. It's going to ensure that President Trump is back in the White House in January 2025.
1: Mm. So you think they don't realize that they are actually achieving the opposite of what they would like to achieve?
6: Uh, That's exactly right. They think that they are definitely trying to meddle with the presidential election. I think Alvin Bragg has political ambitions beyond Manhattan DA's office. You know, his left-wing lunatics in Manhattan, his limousine liberals in Manhattan are cheering right now, no doubt. They're, you know, in their coffee shops with their Ukraine flags on their COVID masks, and they're very happy that Alvin Bragg did this. So this will make Alvin Bragg, very happy in Manhattan. He'll raise a lot of money from this. He'll mm-hmm. raise his profile. But it's going to hurt the Democrat Party nationwide. And more importantly, uh, it's going to hurt our country very badly. We This is crossing the Rubicon. I don't know how you come back from a country where they uh, one party indicts the political leader of the other party on bogus mm-hmm. charges.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you say that, do you mean that you you really think we will see the two parties go at each other using this technique again, and again, in the future.
6: I'll tell you this Republican state attorneys, general Republican DAs, Republican prosecutors across the country better wake up. They better give Democrats a healthy dose of their own medicine here, because if they don't, this will mm. never stop Democrats. This, uh, this is not our parents or grandparents Democrat party. These are not liberals who mm. love America These are leftists. They hate America. They're Marxists. They don't believe in equality. They believe in equity. They don't believe in free speech. They believe in censorship. They don't believe in due process. They believe in Me Too and Get Trump. they They only understand and appreciate power. So if we don't give them a healthy dose of their own medicine here, this will never stop. I always say two wrongs don't make it right. But it makes it even. So I, I hope these Republicans, if, if Hunter Biden or Joe Biden or James Biden step foot in Texas or Florida or Oklahoma or any other red state when they're doing their shady, corrupt, illegal foreign dealings with China and Ukraine, you can find a way to indict them.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mike Davis, the Article 3 Project. Thank you for the time today. Appreciate having you. Thank you. All right, we're gonna um, we're gonna kick this around some more after the news uh with your calls at 210-599-5555. They have decided they are going to uh release the uh Nashville Killers manifesto, uh but there's a hold up to it, and I'll tell you what that is coming up here. If you can't call into the show remember you can always use our jack chat line and just leave a comment that way you don't have to wait um or if you're not able to uh wait or maybe listening to the podcast jack chat line is a way to participate anytime and leave your name your city and your thoughts at 210-599-5550 that's 210-599-5550 all right i know it was kind of a weird question but do you have a favorite prison movie
0: you know, I heard you say this an hour ago. We got this good conversation going on about sports, and all of a sudden, uh, by the way, well, I, said, I don't
1: know. I started thinking about prison <laughs> movies because of the news yesterday, and yeah. um, at first, I thought, uh, how many really are there? Really, that many good ones? But actually,
0: there really are when you think about it. Yeah, I've got an easy one: Shawshank Redemption. There you go. See. Yep. Yep, great movie. Fantastic. That's one of those movies you know, you've got. Everybody's got maybe, maybe a dozen or so, or mo- so movies that you could just watch over yeah. and over and yeah. never get tired of it. Shawshank Redemption would be up there for sure. All right.
1: Yep. Uh, 210, 599, 5555. Um, what about a great prison movie? Uh, The Green Mile, maybe. All right. Uh, Papillon, The Great Papillon. Um, Steve McQueen lifted, I think he punched above his weight on prison movies, if you think about it. Uh, Great Escape. Uh, what else? 210-599-5555. Uh, so we've been talking about the Trump indictment, and does it uh, help or hurt his run for president? Uh, where are you on that? Does this all feel a little bit like it is the prelude or the setup for something else? I think, I think people like you and me are supposed to flip our, our lids over this. I think they would love that. I hope that you will not give them what they want, but I think that's what they would like. I would suggest to you that the indictment of Trump is not, it's like the least surprising thing ever because it's of a piece with every, um, chapter of the story since he started running for president. And if you think about it, there's really no other way for this to end. I mean, there's, there's, there's no other place for them to go. Remember that if you're on the left, you've promised your team, your base for years that you had him, that the walls were closing in, that it was, this was it. He was going down. And, and I mean, if you think about it from their point, and I'm not asking you to sympathize, but think about what they've, the bed they've made for themselves, where they've promised it for so long, that now they've gotta deliver something. And the hush money to Stormy is the last thing they wanted it to be about. They really wanted something much bigger, much more dramatic. Um, it's almost embarrassing to watch Wolf Blitzer treat this like it's, you know, serious, but, but that's where we are now. That's what they're they they had to deliver something. They had to vomit up something after years of promising that there would be this big uh this big moment. two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. And then we were talking about the shooter manifesto, the killer's manifesto. Nashville police had initially refused to release the writings of the um killer at the Covenant School citing an open investigation. Uh now, according to a member of the Metro Council in Nashville. Uh, they're going to release it after they've had the FBI analyze it. So they want to work on it first, and then they will release it. Um, CBS News has instructed its staffers, according to the New York Post, to not use the word transgender when reporting on the Nashville killer. Now I'm a little confused. I thought for years we were not supposed to deny and um, obscure and uh, you know w- w- what do they call it? Dead name is that what it's called? I thought I thought we were I thought th- I thought the, the recognizing gender was the highest thing. According to the New York Post, CBS News directive. Delivered on an editorial call on Wednesday, uh, instructs staffers that um, they should avoid any mention of it as it has no known relevance to the crime. Hmm. That, that is a stretch. No known relevance to the crime. 210 599 5555 on the Trump indictment. Steve is on KTSA. Steve, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, uh, Jack. There's never any consistency or continuity with the Democrat Party. I'm not blowing my lid over the uh, the Trump indictment, like you said. You know, it's been a long time coming, business as usual for the Democrats. But I am more and more disgusted by it all. It's just disgusting. It's almost on the it's, – it's worse than what they did to – I can't remember the, the Supreme Court nominee, how they tore up that good man – and his family, uh, all for political gain. You know, they have these people have no shame.
1: Well, but, I think uh, it is consistent, Steve. I mean, I think they they've promised for years that that the walls were closing in, that he was a criminal. They called him unindicted. They called him a conspirator. Uh, this is just finishing what they started. I, I mean, they had to do it.
2: But they didn't do it to Hillary. And they didn't do it to Biden.
1: There, well, they didn't no promise system. to do it to Hillary and Biden, but they promised for eight uh, years to do it to this guy. Their base was about ready to string them up if they didn't deliver something.
2: Yes, sir. The uh, 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 Rob, War- Rob Roy once said, uh, honor is a gift men give to themselves. And it's very difficult to do that with all of the temptation that we have in this world. You have to strive for it. I think now is the time if... If DeSantis really, really, truly cares about the republic, because the republic is now really at stake. And I think Nikki Haley should should say, I'm I'm out. I'm, I'm 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 endorsing Trump. Ron DeSantis should call President Trump, invite him to the governor's mansion, sit down and tell him, look, this is now bigger than both of us. Please, please. Select what? me as your VP and oh, let us uh, save not gonna happen. the
1: republic. That's not going to happen, Steve. And and why would it be better for the republic to not have a competitive race for the Republican nomination? I don't understand that.
2: Because if because if you hand it, because if you hand it, okay. So where are the other Republicans now that are lining up and screaming at the top of, the, of their lungs? This is. Endangering our republic, we are fully now. We are MAGA nation now. Behind President but why, but Trump, no, 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 no.
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's not. A, it's not a choice between having rule of law and being MAGA nation. That's not. That's not the only. Those aren't the only two possibilities. Why can't I run for president and say I think I'm the best person? But what they're doing to Trump is wrong. Why, why can't those two things coexist?
2: Because we need uh what is it 12 years what four four and eight 12 years of conservative we they need to understand Desantis and trump and all of the republicans need to understand what is at stake here what we are on the verge of losing and say we are now united and we are going to spend the next 12 years Reversing the child mutilations, reversing that you can say transgender, you can't say reversing CPT or CRT or whatever they call it. Reversing all these marches. I I hear what you're saying, Steve. I just,
1: I I, I hear what you're saying, and I respect you, and I, and I, you know, you know, I love you, but I, I don't, I don't think what you are talking about requires us all to take an oath of loyalty uh, to Donald Trump. In fact, I think that's really, I think that's really bad for the way our political system works. And and I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think the reason, one of the reasons Hillary lost is because they had a coronation instead of a competition, uh, for her. And they were in a bubble and they thought there was no way if they all got behind her, I'm with her. Uh, they, they thought they, they had the thing sewed up. I, 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 I respect the fact that DeSantis and Haley and Pence and they're all saying the right things about the indictment. Uh, but I don't think that obligates them to not compete for the nomination. And no, there's no way in hell that, that DeSantis and Trump are going to sit down and, and be a team. I mean, I just don't, I don't see that. I'll, I'll gladly admit I was wrong if that turns out to be the case, but I'm not seeing that. 210-599-5555. All right. Prison movies. We were talking about prison movies like Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, Papillon. Uh, John is on the radio. Hi, John.
7: Hey, uh, I was thinking stir-crazy with Gene Wilder
0: and Richard Pryor. Oh, that yes. is hysterical.
1: That is a good one. I would forgotten about that yeah, one. So what bad, was that, about 19, 1980 bad. or so, maybe?
8: Uh, maybe a little earlier, but see, uh, sometime around there. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's a good one, John. Stir-crazy. All right. Kathy has one on KTSA. Hi, Kathy. Hey, Jack. How's
0: it going? Hey. Uh, cool Hand Luke
1: cool hand luke there you go It's another one i hadn't thought of very yeah, good now
0: I,
4: love that. I, I can watch that over and over again of course some
1: of it has to do with blue eyes so
4: what do you
7: what do you say about that you
1: know so. I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hold that against you at all kathy those were some very blue <laughs> eyes thank you thank you for the call have a good weekend you've
7: been waiting monday got through it Tuesday, you got through it Wednesday, you started to smell it Thursday, you were right on top of it, and now it's here! It's Friday! It's time to rock and roll! Break out the speakers! Blow your cars into up, Get home, get to your stuff, and get ready to rock because it's Friday! Whoa, oh,
1: That says it for me. That's the plan. Jack Riccardi show, KTSA and KTSA.com. Yeah, uh, we're talking about uh, prison movies. I know he's not going to prison, but it put me in mind of prison movies yesterday when we were talking about the indictment. Uh, so we'll take your calls on that. 210 599 5555. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, there is a bit, for me, there is a huge difference between uh, fighting for our country and fighting for Donald Trump. And you can be a Trump supporter and care about the country. You can be uh, a Trump opponent and care about the country. You can, you can support or oppose his political comeback and still be, uh, justifiably disgusted by the transparent, uh, phoniness and political weaponization of justice by the obvious panic that Trump has created in uh, the elites of both political parties and the media and big tech. I I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that even if you don't like him, and there's obviously many reasons you might not like him, you could still like the effect that he has on people, on institutions that have been too comfortable... And are two in bed with each other now. And I think that was the appeal uh, of him as much as anything in 2016. And people wanted to shake it up. And I think it's telling that despite the narrative that he lost the country over the course of his four-year presidency, he got nine million more votes the second time than he had the first time. That doesn't seem like a guy that lost the country. That seems like a guy who was running in a year where voting was different, vote tabulating was different, um, there had been a concerted, ongoing effort to destabilize him, they weakened and shrunk his circle. And that's something I, I wonder about with Trump now as he goes into this battle with the, the charges and whatnot there's a lot of people that were with him. Uh, I'm talking about like, uh, you know, operatives and high ups that are not with him. His circle is smaller and it's different. Team Trump is a different group of people, uh, than it was when he was president. Um, and so I, I don't buy the argument that everybody needs to get in line behind Trump. If you care about what's happening in the country, that's not, that's, that's a weak argument. That's a poor argument. It's an emotional argument. And I understand the emotions, but I'm not doing that. Um, listen to this this is um this came out in the uh, hearings this week when they had Merrick Garland in front of the uh Senate Appropriations Committee. There was a memo, and they they put this up on the slide so we we could see it. There was a memo that went out to the u s marshals remember when Roe v. Wade was being reversed, and remember we had had the leak of the decision the preliminary decision but we didn't have the the final decision and then we had the final decision this all played out so um there was a memo that went out to the US marshals to not arrest protesters at supreme court justices homes do not arrest unless absolutely necessary avoid any criminal enforcement. And that making arrests and initiating prosecutions was, quote, not the goal and not was italicized and underlined. So who exactly is destroying the norms of our democracy? Is that Trump or is that Merrick Garland? We have direct threats to the justices on the Supreme Court, a co equal branch of government, and the executive branch is saying let them fight. Did you see, by the way, what happened at the Tennessee Capitol yesterday? Uh there was pretty much a riot. I know they're calling it a peaceful protest, but we all know we all know what that means since twenty twenty. Pretty much a riot. Uh, when trans and LGBT, uh, demonstrators showed up at the rotunda. This is peaceful protest. And there was actually really a scuffle between Tennessee state troopers and these demonstrators trying to get through a door. Do we have that piece of audio done? I mean, it, it, it got very dicey. And you could see this on the cameras. Anyway, um, it's interesting to me that this happened and it got little to no coverage and the coverage it got was fawning. Isn't this wonderful? It's great that that the um, community in Nashville has come together in defense of trans people who Corinne Jean-Pierre told us from the White House podium this week are under attack this week. Now, I just want to point out that you can put that stuff on television and at the White House press room, but in the real world, and I'm not in Nashville, obviously, I'm in San Antonio, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. In the real world, in the lives of real people, the prayer, the angst, the sadness was about those children not about the trans community. And the community that came together was the community of people that prayed and brought bouquets of flowers to the Covenant School and lit candles and have been donating to these families. That's the real story. The the trans community was not under attack this week. The worst thing that happened to the trans community this week was done by a trans person. But there is a certain chic to making the perpetrator the victim. Remember the Rolling Stone magazine cover of Jokar Zarnaev, the Boston Marathon bomber? There's been a kind of, um, I think, a similar tone to some of the coverage of the killer in Nashville. There was a story, I forget who had it, there was a story I saw, because I read a gazillion of these stories, there was a story that talked about what a tragedy it was that this uh, person will never get to be the great children's book illustrator That they showed promise of being at one point, apparently gifted artistically and had done some drawings and expressed the aspiration to illustrate children's books. Imagine, imagine you're, you're looking for an angle on Nashville and that's the angle that we, what we lost in Nashville this week was a great children's book illustrator. I say this a lot and I, don't mean it to be repetitive, but the more normal people hear this kind of stuff, the more it wakes them up to what's happening, the more it it makes them realize they can't be passive observers. When your parents and grandparents cared about what was happening, they just went and voted, and that was pretty much all they had to do. But you're going to have to do more. You're going to have to care more. You're going to have to be more involved because this is different. This isn't the left and right of your parents or grandparents time. This isn't the democratic and republican parties of your parents or grandparents time. This isn't the legacy media of your parents and grandparents times. You know, you and I grew up in a time when media were incessant and, um, almost, almost unstoppable at going after the story. And now they are incessant and unstoppable at going after their enemies. And it's different. And people are seeing that, I think, every day. 210-599-5555 on KTSA. The um, ladies of The View were celebrating the uh, indictment of uh, President Trump this morning. But earlier this week, um, they got into a discussion about... um the, and, and I forget how they got into it, but they got into this discussion of uh, the Chinese Muslim concentration camps. You know, the Weiger the minority in China is uh, placed in camps and worse. And uh, Sunny Hostin, who is the, the lawyer, okay, she's the brains on The View, quote-unquote, had this to say, cut number four.
3: And so as a woman of color... With a six foot two black kid in college and a five foot seven, five foot eight black kid in high school. I don't see that part of American exceptionalism. I'm sorry. No. I think this country has a lot of problems that could be solved. Yes, maybe they're putting uh, Muslims in jail in Afghanistan. I think you mentioned in China, China. They're putting a lot of black, more black people in jail here. I-
1: wow. First of all, what, what an idiot. Yeah, I'm always confusing Afghanistan and China, aren't you? (laughs) What a moron. But I mean, the the way it goes to the race thing, so in China, you get put in a concentration camp if you're a Weiger. In this country, you go to prison if you're convicted of a crime. Now, you can argue that there may be inequities in the criminal justice system, but we're not just scooping people off the street to put them in prison. But then I love the way she has to refer to her own children. Sonny Hostin's son, and I wouldn't bring this up, and I'm not bringing it up to sound envious or anything, but since she brought it up, Sonny Hostin's son goes to Harvard. Harvard. She said, I have a son in college. She didn't tell you where. 90000 a year. And have you ever seen Sonny Hostin's house? And again, normally I wouldn't even bring this up. I'm not. I, I'm glad when people make it and have nice things and enjoy the fruits of their labor. But Sonny Hostin lives in a palatial mansion. So this idea that whenever she feels like it, she is an oppressed black woman, is, I don't know if it's more nauseating or hilarious. Maybe it's both. So she is like this, you know, poor me I'm in a country that oppresses people like me. I can't judge China, lives in a mansion, stayed in it for two years, had everything brought to her and delivered by the by the littles, by the poor as that's you and me. Sends her kid to Harvard. Again, don't begrudge her any of that, but you don't get to be a victim. You don't two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five the um the the ease with which we are willing to view the entire world through racism in America isn't just something that's silly or annoying, it's actually pretty dangerous because you know what we're doing? you know what our elites are doing they're creating the idea that we don't really have enemies. There really is no evil, objectively speaking, in the world. The only evil in the world is American racism. And if you take this to its logical conclusion, we have met the enemy, and he is us. Now, this is being said by people that clearly have not been crushed, defeated, deprived by America. But even if they had a tough time or did have, uh, had struggled, you have any idea how, how warped it is to think, oh, we don't have to worry about China. We have to worry about the criminal justice system in America. We don't have to worry about terrorists. We have to worry about Republicans and Christians and parents who go to school board meetings and homeschoolers. I mean, That isn't just vilifying you and me. That's also denying the reality of the world. And I wouldn't care, but that viewpoint is being put out and and broadcast to and impressed upon a lot of people. And I would imagine Sonny Hostin's, you know, sort of construct there is probably very common in the classroom. Like, that would probably be a discussion. We laugh about the view on this show a lot, I know, but that would probably be a a discussion you could find going on behind any number of classroom doors in pretty much any state in this country today. 210-599-5555. So we've been talking about the uh, Trump indictment. Here's the Washington Post editorial page. The Washington Post editorial page. Asking whether Alvin Bragg risks prosecutorial credibility in taking the unprecedented step of indicting a former president, calling it a zombie case. Breaches of campaign finance law, they write, undermine democracy and deserve to be taken seriously, yet the potential downsides of indicting Mr. Trump ought to be taken seriously too. This prosecution is now bound to be the test case for any future former president as well, of course, as proceedings against this former president in particular, of which there are plenty. So their concern is, you might be ruining our chance to get him on something more serious. They're actually underselling the problem. Bragg is charging Trump with a felony by building up a Lego stack of misdemeanors whose statute of limitations ran out, and for doing something that even Trump's lawyer admits he did a lot of. In other words, Trump made a lot of these payments, these settlement payments to people. And if he was making them over a long period of time, which we're given to believe he was, it's going to be very hard to prove that he was doing this as a campaign finance violation. This is where, in a weird way, Trump not being a politician helps him. If you're a senator, if you're a career politician, and you did this, and you'd never done it before, I can see construing it as, hey, you're, you're, you're basically you're helping your campaign. But when you're a guy that's been uh, married three times and has apparently done these settlements with many people, you could just as easily say he's just trying to not be embarrassed. He's just trying to not uh, lose his marriage or embarrass his wife. I mean, I'm not defending the behavior, but it's going to be, I think, much harder to say, oh, he knew he was breaking campaign finance laws. In fact, I don't think he did. And, you know, they keep talking about how they've never indicted a president before, and look what they're indicting him on. They're indicting him on the the testimony of a convicted perjurer, Michael Cohen. So in one sense, this is working for the Democrats. Their base is happy. They finally got something. Uh, Alvin Bragg is probably going to get reelected. It's taken attention off of other things they don't want to talk about and they don't want in the news. Um, But it does look and smell... Uh, political, and it is political. And I, I, I agree with a couple of our earlier callers that they may be in a bubble where they don't realize how this plays with everyday people. It it, it there's one. It's one thing to uh, be high fiving each other, you know, in Manhattan or in Washington D.C. or in San Francisco. But there's a whole big country out there of people who aren't as interested in their feelings about Donald Trump, aren't that worried one way or the other about what happens to Donald Trump. They care a lot about the country, about making a laughing stock of things that they were brought up to respect. I don't think they're factoring that in. I don't think they even know people like you and me. Javier is on the radio. Hi, Javier.
8: Hey, how you doing, man? I love that show.
1: Oh, thank you. Do so you have a prison movie uh, for us?
8: Yeah, well, I had one. And someone stole it. It's an all-time. Well, I always thought it was funny with uh stir crazy. But my my second one, I guess that it, to me it it, and it was I was never a troubled youth, but it scared me straight. Was American Me because I'd seen that when I was in middle school in the early 90s. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that.
8: I literally had nightmares. I think I was 13 or 14 when I watched that movie. I had nightmares about going to prison after I watched that. And I told myself, I will never do anything in my life to go to prison. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think that might have been based on a true story, too.
8: I think it was loosely because in the beginning, it states uh, these things typically happen every day in prison. And it, it was based upon the foundation of the Mexican mafia in California. Mm-hmm. And then it mm-hmm. it spread across you know a different faction of the texas mexican mafia i'm in law enforcement by the way so we learn about these things and uh yeah there's the grasp that they have outside the prison walls
1: that was edward james almost i think right
8: correct yeah yeah he was so great yeah
1: everything he did was great great. that is a really good one i i had forgotten about that completely uh back in the 90s american me javier i'm glad you called thank you good one very good one um that reminds me of another one. I was, I, I didn't even write this one down, but now that I think about it, and it's not really a prison movie, but one of, to me, one of the most underrated movies I've ever seen. And by this, I mean, it's not one of my favorite movies, but I think it's way better than it gets credit for. It was a movie that came out in the nineties called American History X. And when he said that he watched this movie and it scared him, uh, I remember seeing American, American History X was, um, Edward Norton and I'm trying to think who else was in it. Um it, it, it scares you and it's 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 not about life in prison. It's about this guy who um kind of gets mixed up with uh some, you know, bad characters, bad actors. It's it's kind of got like a you know, I don't know if they're uh na I think they're neo Nazis or something like that. Yeah, which, skin right? Skin neo-Nazi yeah, heads, mm-hmm. And it's got Edward Furlong, who's always great, and Edward Norton is incredible. I, it, that's the movie that, to me, really made me respect uh, Edward Norton as a great actor. Uh, there's a ton of other people in it, um, but it it haunts you. When you watch American History X, it haunts you. And the, the Edward Furlong character is even a- almost as haunting as the Edward Norton character, because Edward Furlong, I think, is his little brother, right? And... uh yeah, and I think he wanted to emulate. He wants uh, to emulate his older brother, mm-hmm. but his older brother is now having doubts about exactly. the people he's, right. he's involved with, and it is, it is a good movie, and it has sort of a prison tie-in, because Edward Norton got out of prison, and, um, we've gotten a lot of great, I'm looking at my email here, The Hurricane, remember The Hurricane with, uh, Denzel? That was great. Uh, Sleepers is a great one. Uh, Kiss of the Spider-Woman, that came out in the 80s. So, yeah, just some good, prison movies i don't know i mean it's just yesterday's news it kind of i get these you know random put me onto that uh genre <laughs> if, you're, if you're in the mood for a good prison movie tonight i'm not sure how that would happen but if if so you've got some good stuff to work with papillon would probably be the gold standard for me i think that's the best one for me Beans and cornbread Beans and cornbread Beans and cornbread
3: Beans and cornbread had a bite Beans knocked cornbread out of sight Cornbread said, now that's alright They Meet me on the corner to my
1: Well, ever there's been a week that we needed the dish, I think this is it. If I may say so. I think it's high time I think it is high time that we, uh you know Let's punch the clock. Let's, the decline of Western civilization can wait till we at least have something to eat, right? Then we can, then we, then we can get right back to it. So if you're not familiar with this hour of our show, it's the last hour of the last show of the week every Friday in our six o'clock hour. We call it the dish and it's about restaurants. It's about your most recent encounter, experience, visit. You may have gone to a new restaurant and be very excited to talk about that. You may have found one that's new to you and had your first experience there and want to share that. It may be that it's a place you've been going to for a long time, or your family's been enjoying it and and loving it for a long time, and you want to tell us how great it is and what we should order when we go there. It can be anywhere around San Antonio or outside San Antonio. It can be any kind of food, any kind of uh, price, Maybe you dined in, maybe you drove through, maybe you got it to go, had it delivered. Um, But any kind of restaurant, want to know specifics, name names, what made it great. You can praise or you can zing.
4: Is everything going to be like this now? This harms me and this is a line that you don't cross with me. If you cross Hmm. it today, don't
1: ask me how my weekend was. You don't know me. Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> yes, definitely. Praise or zing on the dish, 210 599 on KTSA. Later on, we'll have the results in the JR poll. We'll see how you voted uh, on the uh, Trump question. So I forgot to tell you about this last Friday. I had already been to this restaurant, and I meant to bring it up on the dish last Friday. I can't believe I forgot, but I know I did. And it was a place, I went to a place now like two weeks ago, that had been recommended on the dish back in February. And it's called Chef's Table Mediterranean. Chef's Table Mediterranean. It's on Babcock, 1546 Babcock Road. So, on the basis of the caller who recommended it, I went to this place, a friend and I went to this place, and it, it, it was really good food, but it was a really unusual experience. So let me let me explain it. It's in a, uh, it's not a very big restaurant. It's in kind of a narrow storefront on Babcock. And so when you go in, there's like a long row of tables against the wall and there's a shorter row of tables that are right up against the open kitchen. You want to sit on the wall side. You don't want to sit on the kitchen side. The open kitchen is, uh, big. But when I was there and this was a I think a Saturday night it looked like there was like only, one, like only one person cooking. And so the food was fantastic. I mean really good. But I will tell you um they're having some they're they're having some growing pains with the service and getting it out and they it's it it felt like a place that could be great if they can just make it, you know? They probably need a little more help. They probably need another guy in the kitchen. They probably need another server. Um, Everybody's doing their best. Everybody's trying real hard. Attitudes, smiles, great. And again, really good footage. I had a hero. hero, uh, No, I didn't have a hero platter. What did I have? I had the um, the, uh, lamb uh, kefta, and it was so good. I mean, the flavors were incredible. It had a side salad that was good, and I'm usually not big on the side salad. I ate every bit of it. Um, they had, um, great appetizers. The one thing I had ordered was, uh, calamari, and they were out of that, but everything else was good. Um, the caller in February, uh, mentioned mixed grill for one or two. I saw that while I was there. It's huge. Probably the mixed grill for one would feed two. In fact, it was one of those places. You've ever been to a restaurant where, not only are you enjoying what you're having, but as you look at other people and other tables, you think, oh, man, when I come back, I'm going to try that. Or, boy, that really looks good. I wish I'd gotten that. So if you want to try, if you if you love Mediterranean cooking, and I do, and you want to try a place that I think is going to be great, uh, and I hope they make it, I really, really am pulling for these guys. It's called Chef's Table, Mediterranean, 1546 Babcock Road. Yeah, I, I meant to bring it up last Friday. I was all excited to do it. And then I think we just had calls come in and I got distracted and I forgot to do it. So 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish and we get to Robert on the Jack Riccardi show. Hi, Robert. Happy Friday night to you, sir.
9: Hi. Hi. How are you doing?
1: Good. What's up?
9: So I, I felt, I felt compelled to call. Uh, I found this place. Uh, relatively recently, solely because I happen to be catching the morning morning shows, local morning news shows, and they mm-hmm. were doing a, a profile on these people, is S.A. Seafood on Dave Zavala mm-hmm. And the reason, it's not like it's a great re- uh, dining room. It's a very perfunctory, di- basic dining room. But the thing is, they have seafood. They have fried oysters, fried shrimp. Uh, crawfish you know they have a lot of different things but what made them unique i'm from new orleans originally and i've never been able to find anybody outside of louisiana that can do the batter for shrimp or oysters or anything else the way you would the, the way the flavor is in new orleans uh it's it's just been a total thing that i miss every time i'm away from new orleans these people actually know how to do it i end up wow. having a shrimp a shrimp and oyster poboy the the oysters was actually pretty nice sized oysters, mm-hmm. and unlike everybody else that called their sandwich a poboy, instead of being some bun, it actually had at least what the best they could come up with as a imitation of French bread. It was actually kind mm-hmm. of a baguette.
8: Mm-hmm.
9: The only people that actually had anything better than that bread wise is NOLA Restaurant down there by Monte Vista. And oh, yeah. They have to sit, ship their French bread frozen from New Orleans, from the, one of the big bakeries in New Orleans. I mm-hmm. actually talked to the owner of that place. NOLA is another good place mm-hmm. if you really like New Orleans cooking. But this place, SAC Food, reasonably priced. It's kind of thing where you're more likely to take it for takeout as opposed to sitting in their little dining room. But mm-hmm. if you like fried oysters or fried crawfish even, these people actually know how to do
1: it. Wow, that is high praise coming from you. And uh, it's called SAC Food. Uh, it looks like on the map, it looks like it's in that shopping center with the HEB at De Zavala and I-10. Is that right?
9: Um, yeah, just a little. It's like one of the strip centers that uh, that you access from De Zavala. You know, yeah. you could get to it if you were cutting through the parking lot of the HEB, but it's like okay. a couple of the different inlets out there. If yes. actually if you're looking for a a reference point, it's almost directly across the street from a Sonic on on De Zavala.
1: I know exactly it's where not, you are.
9: It's in that 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 entrance there, it's there in that little section.
1: Beautiful, beautiful corner of I-10 and Dezavala, fifty-two twenty-two Dezavala, S.A. Seafood. Robert, great job. You really, you really put it across. Great call. And our first time with a call for praise for SA Seafood. 5222 Dezavala. All right. 210 599 5555 on the dish. That's how it works. Robert just showed you how to do it. Don't do what I did. Okay. Don't do what I did. Go to a great restaurant, be all excited about it, and then completely forget to tell anybody. Okay, don't do what Jack did. Do what Robert did. Call in. Tell us what to get. Tell us why it's good. Tell us where it is. He had the name right. Two ten. Maybe we'll let him host the show. Praise or zing, any restaurant, anywhere in or around San Antonio, any kind of food, any kind of price, any meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, snacks, coffee, donuts, breakfast tacos, you name it. Um, we're talking restaurants and, uh, it's, it's not a restaurant review. It's just the way you would recommend a place or talk about a place to a friend or a family member like, like Robert did. 210-599-5555. There is a, uh, restaurant story in the news tonight out of, uh, Phoenix. Owners of a Dairy Queen, uh, are reporting the theft of a giant red spoon that was installed on the exterior of their restaurant. Uh, the, the spoon is 15 feet tall and it was up against the side of the building, uh, with the handle nestled into an opening in the parapet. And they have surveillance video of what appears to be two people working the thing off the building and then taking it away on a motorcycle. Uh, the owners say the guys looked like they knew what they were doing and they were very persistent and systematic. But they don't understand why you would steal a fifteen-foot spoon. Phoenix police are uh, investigating. So, see, this is uh, this is where we're at now in this country. This is uh, this is Joe Biden's America. Fifteen-foot <laughs> spoon. I'm always fascinated by the theft of things that would appear to have no utility, uh, like obviously. If if you stole this, you'd have to hide it because as soon as anyone sees it, they're going to know that, well, that's the spoon from Dairy Queen. 210 so. 599 Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience and be on the lookout for a 15-foot spoon. There's a joke in there somewhere. I haven't found it yet. Did you see the story about perspiration that was in the news this week? Smelling other people's sweat may be a remedy for anxiety. According to research from Sweden, um, when we sweat, we emit chemicals that communicate our emotional state, and when other people, I guess, detect those emitted chemicals, it makes them understand that they are not alone. In other words, Say you're nervous or you're anxious. If you can smell that other people are nervous or anxious, it supposedly helps you feel better. So let's ditch the deodorant and the antiperspirant and just let No. No, no, we don't want to do that. Uh they actually said it wasn't it wasn't just um things that you can consciously smell. The body can detect, even without an actual odor, these chemicals. And it's like our bodily systems are communicating with each other and picking up on each other's anxieties. So there you go. If you're nervous in a particular situation, chances are someone else around you is also nervous. Apparently it helps. 210-599-5555. We have Gregory next on The Dish on KTSA. Happy Friday night, Gregory.
3: Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I went to Rosario Wednesday with my family, and it was amazing. It's a new place on St. Mary's, two blocks from the Unhe- Hemisphere, two blocks from H-E-B grocery store. And it was just amazing. I had ordered tongue, beef tongue, with, and they put rancho sauce on it. Oh, it was it was amazing. The best tongue ever, I've eaten ever. And my daughter ordered chicken mole. Oh, that was just finger-licking good. I can't mm. wait till next week to go back.
1: Wow, and you said it's on. Um, you said it's on uh, North. You say it was on North St. Mary's. Yes, yeah, Or South St. Mary's.
3: St. Mary's.
1: South St. Mary's. South St. Mary's. Okay, I see it now. Seven twenty-two, South St. Mary's. Okay, Rosario's. And the service
3: um, was excellent. I mean, I drank I, my my tea halfway, and they kept topping it off. It was just perfect.
1: That's great. I, I, I think I've been in there before, but it's been a really, really long time. Um, I know they just closed the Rosarios up on the north side and I say that they yeah, said they're they going to concentrate did. more on this. Yeah. They're going to really concentrate on this location. So, and they're doing a great um,
3: job at working on it.
1: That's good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And it sounds like you'll be going back again. So Gregory, thank you. Praise for Rosarios, Mexican Cafe and Cantina, uh, 722 South St. Mary's. That's right near. Uh, Battalion, which we talked about on the show a few weeks ago, also a really good place there uh, on the uh, outskirts of Southtown or near, near. I guess you'd say uh, almost in Southtown. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on the dish and get poll votes before we get the results at 7 o'clock. And Blake is next on the radio. Happy Friday night, Blake.
10: Well, thank you. Uh, Fish City Grill... South Rim, excellent catfish because they put a lot of uh, cornmeal on it so you can pick it up with your fingers and it doesn't fall Mm -hmm. apart. Mm -hmm. The roasted jalapeno soup is to die for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their spinach is great. Lobster bisque is great. Gumbo is great. Um, I've started ordering it almost once a week now.
1: And, and, and tell me again which one you uh, you went to,
10: Chase? Well, I don't go to it. I ordered with Uber Eats, Fish okay. City Grill South Rim.
1: South Rim, okay, okay. I know which one you yeah, mean. Now that one, I think that one just, yeah, I think that one just opened. Uh, I know they were they were uh, they've been at uh, Northwoods there at sixteen oh four and two eighty one for a long time, and they've got a few others. But I think the, I think the one you're talking about may have others. just.
10: And, and and I tell you what, when once I placed my order this afternoon, I called them up and mm-hmm. I asked them to give me more tartar sauce because it wasn't available on the Uber Eats app.
1: Mm-hmm. And
10: they did. And so they're good.
1: That's beautiful. That's a little thing, but, you know, that's nice to see that, that, that somebody can accommodate a little request like that, you know?
10: Well, I appreciated it, and they did a good job, and and again, their roasted jalapeno soup is to die for.
1: All right, I'm going to write that down, because that's not something you would think of at Fish City Grill, roasted jalapeno soup. And yeah, this is uh, 5311, North Loop 1604 at the South Rim, which is that center that's kind of growing up around, like, where Andretti Racing is, and kirby lane and uh there's that pizza place i can't think of the name of it but it's that it's that area just south of the rim so south rim at kind of i guess you'd say like 1604 vance jackson and that whole little neck of the woods praise for fish city grill 210-599-5555 on ktsa and um i, I, I know, I'm looking here at my notes. We've been getting calls about fish city Grill for a long time, but i guess about eighteen years um, but all the calls i I think all the calls we have are um the northwoods location so that's that's the first one we've had for one of their other locations. I know there's one in Calabria, too. We've got uh, JR poll results coming up this half hour, and we're going to take some more of your calls on the dish. So if you went to a new restaurant or found one that's new to you or want to sing the praises of an old favorite, this is the place to do that, 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing the food, the price, the service, all of the above. Um, name names by all means that's what we want be specific so if you're if you're praising a restaurant it's always helpful to people to know like what's the best thing to get when you go or what's the featured thing on the menu and if there's a zing you know sometimes stuff doesn't go right let us know uh what went wrong Now, we started a new feature on the show recently for people that either listen to our podcast or just even if they're listening to the live show, just don't have a chance to call in to the live show. We call it Jack Chat. And it's a phone number where you call and leave your first name, your town or city, and your comment. And the number is 210-599-5550. So you can use Jack Chat for any segment of our show, any topic, or even for the dish if you just cannot wait on hold or you maybe are listening during a different time when we're not live, 210-599-5550 for Jack Chat. Let's check the Jack Chat line right now, see what we have.
9: Hey, Jack. Uh, I didn't have an amazing restaurant or dinner or lunch or anything like that to discuss with you. I was calling because I, I caught that you were doing that uh, segment because of your song "Beans and Cornbread." However, obviously, it's not your song. And I did a little research. Oh, sorry, I did a little research on it, and I figured out who created the song. But I wish you would share the story of that song. And once you listen to it closer, you start to realize what a rock and roll song that really is. So, anyway, I appreciate you for bringing that to the uh, to the world of radio and broadcast. Thank
1: you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Larry. Um, I don't know a ton about it. I can tell you it's a song called Beans and Cornbread. Um, it's, uh, Louis Jordan. I think he has a band, but it's Louis Jordan and his whatever the band is. Um, it came out in the 1940s. It's considered basically Jump. And, um, I don't go back to the 1940s, but I, I first started hearing it. In the '90s, there was a uh, a show on TBS. Don Cooper, you might even remember this. There was a show on TBS where they would show a movie every week, and it was called Dinner in a Movie. And I think it was an actress and a comedian that co-hosted it. And they were like, they had kind of like a couple vibe. It was like they were on a movie date, and they would cook a meal and watch a movie. So during the movie, they would put together this dish or show you how to cook this thing. So it, it was an interesting, like, combination. It would be like if you combined Turner Classic Movies and Food Network. It was called Dinner in a Movie. And they would use this song as their theme song. We weren't doing the dish back then, but when we started doing the dish, it just popped into my head. It was many years later, but it just popped into my head as, oh, that's that would be the perfect lead-in music, and that's where we got it. But beans and core is... Louis Jordan. I know it's been in some other movies, and that's um, that's about all I know about it. Let's check another one on the Jack Chat line.
7: Yeah, Jack, uh, Jerry. I'm calling in about Paul Newman's movies, uh, Ombre.
1: Oh, okay. We were t- we were talking about uh, prison movies, and uh, yeah, a lot of Paul Newman, a lot of Steve McQueen. Uh, Clint Eastwood. All right. Um, coming up the results on the JR poll and, uh, more of your calls on the dish, 210 599 5555. Um, the, the thing about that TV show, um, I don't think it's on in reruns or anything like that, but the thing about that TV show, it was called Dinner in a Movie. And you really don't see things like that anymore where somebody hosts a movie. I mean, I know there's Sven and there's probably a few others, but that was a real staple of television in the early especially in the early days of television, when television channels had to fill their airtime with old movies, they would hire people to host or MC the movie. And that led to like Elvira and, like I said, Svengooley and Mystery Science Theater three thousand. And but then there were a lot of local people. Like in Boston, there was a guy I grew up watching this guy. He was on Channel 5 in Boston named Frank Avaroosh. And for the life of me, I don't know what Frank Avaroosh did for a day job, but at night he would have a tuxedo on and be hosting some old movie. And it was interesting. you know. And he became like a familiar personality or character. And I guess when Turner Classic Movies and AMC and stuff came along, maybe there was less of a call for that or less of a need to program that on local stations or what have you but that's that's kind of what dinner in a movie was they took a really interesting uh... spin on what what is really one of the oldest ideas in television you know we're going to host a movie we're going to show a movie and we're going to intersperse you know during breaks in the movie we're going to intersperse this other stuff Um and there's so many different ways you can go with that i love what Sven goley does if you ever watch him on uh... What is that on MeTV? I think, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a, on Saturday. Nights, I think he's I think. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Saturday night he is really a lot of fun. The, but yeah, dinner and a movie was the cool, and you really could you would watch these two, and you would think, now are they really a couple? Because they had some chemistry.
11: Anyway, yeah, I was caught. I I was caught up in the show. I I found it kind of by accident, and I looked it up. The comedian's name was Paul Gilmartin. Martin. Does that ring that's, a bell? Right. Okay. that's
1: right? That's mm-hmm. right. And the was the girl like a redhead or a Uh I I think so. I'm I'm trying to yeah. no I think. They were she was they were very appealing. They were, I think she changed yeah, the color of her hair every now. Maybe and then. maybe so. They were they were great, great, together. great together. It was yeah. a great idea and the <laughs> recipes were good. I, I think I even made a few of the recipes, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a great idea for a he, show. He was funny. He really was. Mm-hmm. Yep. and, and they and they showed good movies, mm-hmm. so uh, That was on TBS, I guess, back in the 90s. Somebody's emailing me and said that Beans and Cornbread is also in the movie Malcolm X. So, yeah, I know it's been in a few movies, a few different places. Um So I can't take any credit for it other than it seemed like a good theme song for The Dish, and it's turned out to be. 210-599-5555 as we talk restaurants on The Dish. And where are we going to go here? Let's go with Jim on KTSA. Hi, Jim.
7: Hey, Jack. Yeah, good evening, great show, love it. Hey, uh, I have a a praise for a place, I don't know if you've had it on here yet, but I'll ask, John the Greek on uh, Thousand Oaks on 281, or actually Mm -hmm. San Pedro, yeah, 16602, absolutely great, family-owned restaurant, been around a while, guy Mm -hmm. named John still runs it, Mm -hmm. his his son Clayton does a great job as his uh, manager, and they just have great food.
1: Yeah, they're into the third generation over there. John's John's they parents are, started yeah. it and uh John has sons in the business now and uh yeah, yeah, no, not only have I not only have I been there, but they they are one of the sponsors of our show. I love love John the Greek. What do you like to get oh, there? Well, there oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. You, you, you kill two birds with one stone there. But w- what is your <laughs> yeah. favorite thing to get there?
7: Man, uh well the world Mahi Mahi is outstanding, but I mean I've had I've had just about everything on their menu. The the heroes are everything's great. The lamb, it's it's all good. The salads are great, and mm-hmm. then you, you just cannot beat the um, the pastries at the end. The baklava and the powdered rolls, all that. Yeah, they're just the, the whole menu. You can't go wrong. I I wish I could eat the whole menu in one sitting,
1: but I can't. Absolutely. You're right. It's a fantastic place. I love the patio. When the weather's right, it's a great patio to sit on. Good job, Jim. Very good. Appreciate it. Praise for John the Greek. It's 16602 San Pedro. It's uh, basically San Pedro and Thousand Oaks, uh, the northeast corner there, for John the Greek. And they're open um, Monday through Saturday for either lunch or dinner, or go both. I don't know, it's up to you. I
11: was doing, two ten. What were you going to say? I was doing a little you know history on that uh, dinner in a movie. and oh, yeah. there's a little backstory. Can I, can I share this little backstory?: Yeah, yeah please I, do. Apparently, yeah. according to this information and this is, this is uh, correct information though, uh, through TBS, they did not get along during the show. No. <laughs> can you believe that? that? Figures, because that figures. I yeah. I, I almost didn't want to share that with you because I figured yeah. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, ruin it. No, something. no, I'm gonna, no. I'm not surprised. But it says here that their working relationship had gotten so bad that TBS had them go to therapy together. Oh my goodness. That's how bad it had gotten. And I re, and I do remember later on in the show she had disappeared and um and oh. because of that she had been let
1: go. You might have been more faithful watching it than I was. I, I guess I didn't... I, I have some memories of it, but I, mm-hmm. I probably didn't watch it. You know how sometimes you think, oh, I watched that show for years, and you saw it like three times. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't remember a, a time when she wasn't on. And um, the part about the chemistry, you can back me up on this. You've been in broadcasting longer than I have. I mean, that is a thing, right? When you hear people... That sound like mm-hmm. they are buddies or friends or lovers or <laughs> as often as not they hate each other mm-hmm.
11: in most cases,
1: and part way. of that is because a lot of times you are thrown together right by in a business decision it's not like we it's not like we choose who we work with, you know you, that you're assigned somebody. To do the news, or to to be on with you, or to be on your show, or whatever it is, and you you had no you had no say in it, but you're expected to make it sound very organic and mm. natural, and so yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked to find out that they and and maybe they also ha- were kind of like rivals because I'm sure that each of them thought they were the Exact like the the best thing about that show exactly.
11: right? exactly Eagles get in the way and you know there's always that one person that thinks they are the star and the reason for the show's success at,
1: you there you know, go mm-hmm. there you go like i i sometimes think
11: that you were going there
1: and and you know and <laughs> we know we know the truth but anyway uh that that's not surprising or disappointing that's just kind of funny but um and that's something i wish i had known when i was watching because that's the other thing when you do know that there is a chemistry problem you watch for it right you you'd like Mike, you, know, you turn up the microscope and you like really hone in to see if you can figure out what it is. So yeah, that, that's interesting. But on the surface, they appeared to be kind of a playful, joking, uh, cutting up couple of people. They, they, they came across and remember this was the nineties, you know, friends and Seinfeld and what have you. They kind of came across as either a couple or like just like really cool, uh, friends of the opposite sex. So. If you ever do come across it like on YouTube or something it was called Dinner in a well, Movie. And that was about a
11: time when TV uh, programming was doing shows like home improvement about couples and Yeah, you know, during yeah. that time and so I no. I think it kind of, you know, fell into to a good place in
1: TV. But don't you think the 90s were something? kind of the, the 90s were big on the whole men and women that aren't a couple? yes but our friend like that's what seinfeld was you know we're we're just all friends Mm -hmm. and friends was supposed to be we're all just friends you know so anyway if that if that's possible at least television used to believe that was possible thank god it's
4: in south africa Part of the world's largest radio
2: telescope
4: is under construction, which will help answer some of the biggest questions of humanity, about galaxies, about gravity.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, Lord, help us through this period in our history. Um... All right, on the JR poll, does the Trump indictment help or hurt his run for president? Uh, because obviously that's not the, the only thing going on here, but that is an issue, an issue. Uh, does it help or hurt his run for president? 84% believe it helps, and 16% believe it hurts. And we'll have a new JR poll on Monday. We get started live at four, but you can find the JR poll anytime at ktsa.com. You can actually find this show anytime. Uh, listen to whole episode podcasts at ktsa.com on the on demand menu. Or, uh, if you're already checking out podcasts on other platforms, just look for the Jack Riccardi show. You will find us in a lot of places where you get your other podcasts. So there was a, uh, and this man must be stopped. There is a guy um in the UK, his name is Duncan Thompson, and uh I guess he's in the photographic business or he has some technology. He has been creating, using AI, he has been creating historical selfies. So if there had been selfies... Like, at the Last Supper, he has digitally created what that would look like, and it is as awful as you are imagining right now. The Last Supper, the Royal Court of Cleopatra, uh, the Battle of Waterloo, here's Queen Elizabeth I, selfies. Why would we, I mean, I'm sure you're already ahead of me on this, why in the world... Would we want to extend the scourge that is selfies back in time? It's bad enough. We have to live with it. You know, nothing we can do about that. But man, historical selfies. The guy obviously knows what he's doing. I just wish he would do something else with his, uh, his talents. Take your talents elsewhere, please. If you would be so kind. Mm, mm. I'm not a big selfie guy. Uh, it's very hard for me to take them. I don't like them. I don't like the way I look in them. Not that I like the way I look when other people take my picture, but somehow doing it to yourself is just even that much worse, right? Like if somebody else takes my picture and I don't like it, I can blame them. What do I do if I take the picture and I don't like it, right? So What's this thing, too, where we all stick our lips out in selfies? I mean, I don't, but you know that duck lips thing? What? What is that about? When did that start? Who started that? And why didn't we stop them when we had a chance? Talk a lot about electric cars on the show. I thought this was interesting, just kind of a little factoid. Uh, Tesla is having a record quarter, and they are selling so many cars right now that they are surpassing legacy brands like Volkswagen and BMW in market share. In fact, they are about to overtake Honda in market share. So they're selling more cars than some pretty well-established, long-time Uh, brands. And the thought had been in the auto industry that once the other companies get into EVs, oh, they'll, you know, eat Tesla's lunch. But it turns out the other companies, Ford and GM and the others that are jumping in, they're having a very hard time. They're way underperforming. They're having to stop and start production. So Tesla kind of almost lured them into a a segment that, that is eating them alive and, uh, I guess Tesla's... I'm not doing a commercial for Tesla. I, I don't own one, but I mean, apparently uh, they're continuing to thrive and a lot of other EV makers are not. So, just Something to keep an eye on. In the meantime, who's the guy that owns Tesla? Who is that, by the way? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and come back and join us live Monday at 4 or listen to our podcasts any old time.